you doing? All right, all right. Well, I think we're going to have some fun. You're wide awake. Uh, you're inside, away from the snow, so this is good. My name is Jeannie Stevens. I'm one of the lead pastors here at Soul City. I'm so glad that you are here today. And as Kelly said, I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I hope you had moments uh, throughout uh, the weekend where you just were reminded of God's faithfulness. You were reminded of his goodness. You know, just even this morning as I was walking into Soul City, I was reminded of how good God is. I was watching somebody uh, start to brew hot coffee, a volunteer. I was reminded as I saw some people uh, grabbing signs and taking them out into our parking lots so people knew where to go in the park today as I watched a bunch of volunteers go up to Soul City Kids to hold and care for our children and teach them about Jesus. And as I watched a whole bunch of people come in here and put cards and pens and make sure that Bibles were underneath each of your seats. And I thought, God, you are so good. You're so good. And you are so good through your people. Uh, and I was just reminded of that as I came in here today. And it's so beautiful to see how God is moving through our serving and how he is moving through our giving. And one of the things that we do every time that we gather together is we pause to just give back to God. Uh, we get to see it in people's lives and we get to see it through generosity. And so those of you that do call Soul City your home, I want to invite you to give with a spirit of generosity this morning. And those of you that are guests here, please do not feel any obligation to participate. As our host team comes forward, uh, I just want to remind you there's three different ways that we choose to worship God in our giving around here. Uh, we give give online, we give via text, and many of us like to give in the buckets, and you can see all of those options up on the screen. Well, I would love to pray for us, and then we are going to dive in to God's word this morning. Would you pray with me? God, thank you uh, that we get to open up your word, that we get to hear from you, Holy Spirit, and I pray that you would teach us and challenge us. I pray that you would allow us to be open to areas where maybe we need to uh, be convicted, areas where we need to uh, transform. And Jesus, I pray that you would help me to get out of the way and that your words uh, would be what float through this room and into each person's heart here today and anyone uh, watching online. I pray this in your name. Amen. Well, I imagine... Uh, that we have probably all had those moments when we were in a conversation with someone and words began to form in our minds and as they were forming in our minds, they started to move from our brain to our mouth and before we could actually cut them off at the pass, we found ourselves saying something that we desperately wish we could take back. And I don't know about you, but it always kind of happens the exact same way for me, and I have the same reactions inside, uh, and I actually have physical feelings that go with this. My insides start to get a little hot. Uh, I start to feel my blood begin to boil, and I start thinking these thoughts in the conversation that I'm having with someone. I can't believe they think this. I can't believe they hold this position. I cannot believe that this is their perspective. I can't believe that, that this is how they think. And as my mind starts processing in the middle of this conversation, and as I don't cut my words off at the pass, instead what I often have chosen to do is I choose to make that a time 
for a really good speech. Like a really, really good speech. Like the kind of speech that is so good, people are like standing up and giving an ovation to it. The kind of speech where my points are on point, right? I mean, because I'm just boiling. I just can't believe that this person would believe the things that they believe in. And then my words come out, and, and they're kind of left there in the room. And after a few moments, I realize no one is standing and giving me an ovation, And that my words have just spewed a whole bunch of residue, and now I am wading in the waters of regret. And I'm wishing, oh, why did I say that? Why did that come out that way? And I'm realizing that my words have now left a very different mark than I wanted them to leave. I wonder why is that? Why is that 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 happens to us? Why can one moment of saying too much lead to so much remorse? I think the reason is because words are actually free. Words are actually free, but they often cost us a lot. Your words are free, actually. Uh, Your words did not need a Black Friday or Cyber Monday sale. They are free. Some of you know this really, really well. Some of you know that the person next to you knows this really, really well. They use their words freely. But words often cost us a lot, don't they? And they can leave us with way more than we have bargained for. You know, one of the things that we value in our country is our free speech. It's one of the things that we most value. But oftentimes, our free speech ends up costing a lot. And in a culture that has become so binary and so polarized, I would argue that one of the root causes for our division and for our distance from one another is due to the wild and often unwise words that we have spoken that have created a climate that makes it hard for us to find peace. Our words have become so wild and they have become so untethered to love. And oftentimes, it is our words that are creating this climate of polarization and pain. How many of you in this room have said something that you wish you had not have said? Yeah, I'm right there with you. Or maybe how many of you have listened too long to someone waxing eloquent on their position or their view and and as they threw another person or they threw an idea or they threw an administration under the judgment bus, you wish you would have spoken up with a little bit more courage or maturely changed the conversation or even said, I'm not okay with how we're talking about this right now. You know, those of you not raising your hands, you're actually lying in church and and church of all places. Now I'm going to have to tack on to this message and talk to you about what God says about lying. Now, I have experienced this. I have experienced this in my own life. Moments where words started falling out of my mouth. And I could see that as they were coming out of my mouth, there was just a stream 
of pain that was about to come into the room and into relationships that I cared about. Other moments when I've been in conversations and I didn't say words, but I wished I would have chosen more courage. Or I wished I would have said, I'm actually not okay with how we're talking about this right now. I'm not okay with how we're speaking about this person or how we're speaking about this situation that's going on. And part of what I'm realizing more and more and more in my life, and especially in this, this time where, where polarization is everywhere we look, is that words have power, don't they? They have power. I mean, wars have been started with words. Nations have been divided with words. Marriages have fallen apart because of words. Self-esteem has been dashed in people's lives because of words. Children have been crushed because of words. And words are a powerful weapon. They're a powerful, powerful weapon. Because here's what they can do. They can either push peace into the world or they can pull peace from it. Words have power, don't they? They have so much power inside of them. And those words can oftentimes push peace into the world. Literally push peace into the world or they have the power to pull it right out from the world. And you know who also knows this? Every single news and opinion outlet out there. They know that. They know that the way that they craft the words, the way that they craft their headlines, they either have the power to push peace into the world or pull peace from it. Every single click bait of knowledge that you kind of look at on Facebook, either pushing peace into the world or pulling peace from it. Every headline, every urgent news update that appears on your phone, every Facebook post from your crazy uncle, Every single one of those things, they're all using words that are free to either push peace into the world or pull peace from it. So our question today is how do we remain people that still have opinions, still have perspectives, still have positions. How do you hold on to your passions? How do we do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with God and still find a way to sit at the same table? Still find a way to live in the same family. Still find a way to worship at the same church. How do we hold all of these differences and all of these differences that we want to communicate with our words, how do we hold all of these things and still live in peace? How do we become the people that push peace into the world instead of pulling from it? I'd love for you to grab a Bible. We're going to dive into one of my favorite books. It's the book of James, uh, and I love the book of James. We're looking at James 3 today. It's found on page 978, and I so appreciate the book of James. I actually try to make this a practice of mine to read the book of James every single year, and part of the reason I love the book of James so much is James is actually Jesus' brother. And one of the things that I love about reading the book of James is I love reading it knowing that James 
probably spent the most amount of time with Jesus. I mean, they were brothers. They shared a bunk bed, right? And so if James has a perspective, it's probably a good one because he spent a significant amount of time with his brother Jesus. And so we're going to dive into James 3 today, and I want to read to you the first nine verses. So I want you to hang with me. We're going to dive deep into James 3, starting in verse 1. And this is what it says. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. This is why I'm glad Jarrett does most of the preaching around here. <laughs> we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire. A world of evil among the parts of the body, it corrupts the whole body. It sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and it itself is set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. I mean, James does not hold back. I mean, he gives us some, some pretty clear pictures on just how impactful the tongue can be. Now, here's what you need to know about your tongue. Your tongue weighs anywhere between 60 and 70 grams. It's not very heavy. Somewhere between 60 and 70 grams. But here's what you also need to know about your tongue. It has a ton of power. It has a ton of power. In fact, it has more power than any other part in your body. It has the power to harm or to heal in an instant. It has the power to help or to hurt in a moment. It has the power to tear down or build up with just a phrase. And James, in this passage, he gives us some pretty visual pictures, doesn't he? He gives us some great metaphors, some, some incredible illustrations. The first one that he gives us in this comparison of what the tongue is like is he says, the tongue is like a horse's bit, the bit that goes in the mouth of a horse. How many of you have ever ridden a horse in your lifetime? Yeah, a few of us have ridden a horse. Most likely, if you rode that horse, it had one of these inside of its mouth. Now, this little piece of metal, you were very grateful for this piece of metal while you were on the back of that horse because this bit is actually what kept that 1,000-pound animal in check. 
It's what kept that horse knowing which direction to go. It's what kept that horse knowing not to buck you off its back. It's what kept the animal knowing that it should go to the right or to the left because you told it where to go. And James says the tongue is a lot like the bit that goes in the mouth of a horse. It can direct, it can move, and it can influence things much bigger than itself. This tiny piece of metal is stronger than the thousand-pound horse if it's used correctly, right? So James says, the first thing that I want you to know about the tongue is it's like a horse's bit. James then compares the tongue to another item. He says it's like a rudder. Now, I'm sure many of us have been on boats. How many of you have been on a boat in your lifetime? Yeah, I, I love going on boats out on the water. When my kids were little, uh, they loved to go on pedal boats. Have you ever been on a pedal boat? Yeah, my kids loved going on these kinds of boats when they were little because we did all the work in the pedaling, and they got to do the fun part and using the rudder with the lever to direct where we were going, right? My daughter especially loved the pedal boat because she could direct, you know, where we were headed, and she just loved going in a perpetual circle. She just kept us moving circle after circle after circle. She loved having the control and the power of the rudder in her hand. I don't know where she gets that from. But James says that the tongue is a lot like a rudder. It can actually dictate the direction of our lives. So he says it's like a bit in the mouth of a horse. It's like a rudder on a boat. And then the last illustration, the last metaphor that James gives us is he says that it's also like a match. It's like a fire, right? And I think all of us have probably seen the devastation of the fire in California right now, the actual ruins that have swept through, right? And what James is saying is that your tongue is just like a tiny match. If it's not used accurately, this thrown in the wrong direction can cause so much harm. And so James, with so much wisdom, gives us these three different metaphors. He says, you know, your tongue is a lot like these things. It can steer things much bigger than itself. It can impact the direction of your life and the life of another person. And with just a tiny spark, your tongue can cause great harm. Now, I imagine that many of us have experienced that in our lives. We've been on the, the other end. We've been on the receiving end of words. You know, if you were to ask me right now to do a complex algebra equation, my seventh grade son would tell you most certainly I would not do so well on that algebra equation. But if you were to ask me to go back to hurtful words that have been said to me in my life, if you were to ask me to go back to words that stung so deep, I would be able to recount every single memory and moment from those words. It's because words are a powerful weapon and they can either push peace into the world or they can pull peace from it. 
And oftentimes when we misuse words, when, when we say words that, you know, leave a residue of regret out there, when we've said words that cause so much pain, when we say words that leave a sting in the environment, oftentimes, I don't know if you've noticed this, we often try to use words to repair the situation. We've just caused harm with our words, and so now we're trying to use words to repair the situation. And we start saying things like, oh gosh, no, no, I, I, didn't mean, I didn't mean it that way, I'm so sorry. Oh gosh, you totally took me out of context. That's not what I meant. Oh my gosh, I shouldn't have, I mean, I, I mean, I kind of meant it that way, but I shouldn't have said it that way. Oh, you heard me say that? I didn't even say that at all, right? And what we try to do is we try to use words to fix the words that have just left a pain. A few years ago, I had a, a fascinating thing happen to me. It wasn't funny in the moment. It's kind of funny now as I retell the story. I was in a friend's wedding, and a few nights before the wedding, a bunch of us girls uh, in the wedding decided we were going to take her out to dinner. And so uh, we went to this restaurant, and we drove up. I was driving, and uh, there wasn't any parking around, so we decided to valet the car. And as we drove up, you know, we all got out of the car. I handed my keys to the valet, and um, I said, hey, I, I need to get my purse out of the back seat. Handed him the keys. He gets in the front seat. Everybody walks away. I open up the back seat. And at the same time, the valet gets in my front seat and he puts the car into drive while I'm grabbing my purse out of the back seat. And he starts driving away. And so while he's driving away, what he actually does is drives over my foot and throws me into the street. I'm one of the only people that can say I was like driven over by my own car. Um, and so I'm laying down in the street. I'm kind of in a little bit of shock. And I'm like, is my foot still there? It was still there. It was just badly bruised. I get up. The valet guy realizes what happens. And I stand up. And he's like, oh, my gosh, ma'am, are you okay? And I was like, don't call me ma'am. It's, it's for much older ladies, you know. Yes, I'm okay, right? And he says, I'm so sorry. All the other valet drivers come over and they're like, are you okay? Are you okay? And I'm like, I'm okay. I'm, I'm fine. You know, it's just a little um, sore. And so they come running out. You know, all the people from the restaurant are putting ice on my foot, you know. And you would have thought I was royalty that night at that restaurant, right? They kept bringing us all kinds of free appetizers and free desserts. I walk out at the end of the night and they're like, ma'am, we, I was like, don't call me ma'am. Ma'am, we have comped your valet. And I was like, I wasn't planning on paying for it anyways. <laughs> you know, and, and what was so funny about the moment after the fact is that they were trying to do all kinds of repair to the fact that they ran me over, right? But there was no amount of repair. There was no amount of words. There was no amount of free stuff. I mean, maybe free stuff for a whole year would have been fine. But there was no amount of, of free appetizers and desserts that were going to change the fact that I was run over. And so many of us, we try to use our words to repair the fact that we have used words to run one another over. And oftentimes, when we have run one another over with our words, the best thing we need to do is stop talking. To stop talking. You see, God did this fascinating thing. Just a few inches away from your mouth where your tongue is, he gave you these two things. They're just a couple of inches away. 
They're called your ears. And he gave you two of them. He only gave you one of these. And yet so many of us, we're using our mouth 90% more than we're using our ears. Research actually states that only 10% of us actually listen to one another effectively. The reason for that is because when we listen, we actually are just considering how it is that we're going to jump in and tell our own story, how we're going to offer advice, how we're going to make a judgment on what the person has just said. In other words, we're not listening to understand, but we are listening just for our reply. And with the amount of polarization in our world right now, I wonder how learning to listen to one another actually may be the secret weapon to pull peace back into our lives. Maybe it doesn't have as much to do with the words we say. Maybe it has more to do with the words that we don't say. Learning how to ask questions. Learning how to say phrases like, tell me more about that. Learning how to listen with love, learning how to listen with curiosity instead of judgment, learning how to bring gifts to the parties that we have been invited to. What I mean by that is not everyone, I know this may be surprising to some of you, not everyone is interested in your opinions, your perspectives, or your feedback. But many of us, we like to bring our opinions, perspectives, and feedback to people that are often not asking for it. They didn't invite us to the party, and yet we decide to bring a gift anyways. And do you know what it's like when a gift has been brought to a party that we were not invited to? It really changes the party, doesn't it? I realized this actually about myself a while ago. One of the things that I have been learning about myself is that I love offering coaching, I love offering feedback, I love offering direction and counsel to people, I love helping leaders get better, and I started realizing that I was often trying to help people get better that actually weren't asking for help to get better. They weren't asking for feedback. They weren't asking for counsel. They weren't asking for direction, and I kept bringing my counsel, my feedback, and my directive to parties that I was not invited to. And so I started realizing that I needed to stop bringing gifts to parties that I was not intentionally invited to. Now, it doesn't mean that I don't have thoughts. Friends, I've never been without a thought, ever in my life. I have so many thoughts, I can't even believe how many thoughts live up here. It just means that I don't have to bring all of those thoughts to parties that I was not invited to. Most especially online parties. <laughs> Most especially Facebook parties or Instagram parties or commentary that just becomes polarizing and binary. A while back I was meeting with someone and they were sharing with me a whole bunch of um, you know, things about themselves, and I was trying to get to know them a little bit. And when we were talking, they said, you know, one of the things that you need to know about me is that whatever I think, I say. 
And I thought, this is going to be an interesting relationship, right? And, and they just said, you know, if, if something comes into my mind, I just decide that I'm going to say it. I just believe that speaking the truth is one of my gifts, and I like to bring that gift into the world. And in that same conversation, while I was talking with this person, uh, they were also beginning to share with me some relational tension that was going on in their life. That they were having a hard time in some of their friendships. And after a little bit of time, they actually began to share that they've been feeling isolated. And they have been feeling like um, nobody really is opening up to them anymore. And so I decided to use my own little uh, advice, and I said, are you interested in some feedback? I know we're just getting to know one another, but are you interested in some feedback around what I just heard? I decided, you know, if they were welcome, I was going to bring a gift to the party. And they said, yeah, yeah, totally. I, I would love some feedback. And I said, you know, speaking your truth, speaking your truth does not mean saying everything that you think is true. Speaking your truth all the time does not mean saying everything that you think is true. My old pastor, Andy Stanley, used to say it this way, just because it's true doesn't mean you need to say it. And he used to say that to me a lot, a lot. Just because it's true, Jeannie, doesn't mean you need to say it. And being honest is not saying everything that's true. Being honest is making sure that what you say is true. That's what being honest is. And I've had a lot of moments throughout my life where I didn't always practice this. And I've seen the pain that it brings to relationships. I see the struggle that it puts inside of a relationship, especially with people that you love. And so over the last few years, I've been trying to actually do something different before I speak. And when I have a sense that I want to say something or, or words are starting to form and I, I sense that I want to participate in the conversation, I ask myself two things. I say, Jeannie, and I, I talk to myself a lot, so I actually say, Jeannie, is it wise and is it loving? Is it wise? Is what you're about to say filled with wisdom, and is it loving? Are your words anchored in wisdom and love? What I love about this book, James, you know, he, he spends this whole chapter three talking about our tongue and, and the power and the impact that it has on our relationships, but he actually even starts the book in chapter one talking about this as well. In James 1.19, he says this, Point this, post this at all the intersections. Dear friends, lead with your ears. Follow up with your tongue. And let anger straggle along in the rear. Isn't that good? Post this at all the intersections. Can you imagine if on your way home you saw this at every single intersection? Lead with your ears, follow with your tongue, let anger straggle along, you go to the next block. Lead with your ears, follow up with your tongue, let anger straggle along in the rear. I wonder what it would do in our city 
I wonder what it would do in our world. I wonder what it would do in our lives. You know, one of the things that we love to do around here is, is give homework. And so I thought I would take our homework this week straight out of this passage from James. And so I want to give you a multiple choice homework assignment to lead with your ears, to follow with your tongue, and to let anger straggle along. Now, if you're an overachiever, you can do all three, but the assignment is only pick one. Some of you, this next week, you need to lead with your ears. Your tongue has been in the lead, and you need to let it start to follow. You need to lead with your ears. You need to actually ask someone to coffee, ask someone to lunch or to dinner, someone that you know thinks very differently than you. Someone that believes something very different than you. Someone that shows up in the world very differently than you. And I want you to sit at that table and I want you to ask them the question, would you tell me your story? Don't ask them about their perspective on this or their thoughts on that. Would you tell me your story? Would you tell me your story? I want to lead with my ears. I want to know you. I want to listen to you. I want to better understand you. And then when they're done telling their story, say, tell me more. Tell me more. Can you imagine what our world would be like if we led with our ears? Some of you, that's the homework assignment for you this week. You need to lead with your ears. Others of you, you need to follow up with your tongue. And some of you, you have been leading with your tongue, and you now need to let your tongue start to follow. And I'm not sure what it is for you, but some of you, the way that you need to follow up with your tongue is you need to say the words, I'm sorry. Because you know that you have said things you have spoken in ways that you wished you wouldn't have. And there have been a residue of words that have kind of been laying around in some of your relationships. And it's causing division and it's causing a splintering. And some of you need to say the simple words, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I wish I wouldn't have said that. Will you forgive me? Some of you need to actually say the words, I forgive you. And someone has spoken words or they've said something and you have been holding on to those words for dear life. And as you hold on to those words, you're starting to realize that the person that is not free is you. This last year, I had some situations that I found myself in where some words were spoken about me, some really unkind and really hurtful words. And I wasn't there when they were spoken. Um, but isn't it interesting how those words always find their way back to the person? We think we're so sly with our gossip. It finds its way. And those words came back to me and they really hurt. And I realized that I was the one holding on to a lack of forgiveness. And in this situation, it didn't uh, call for wisdom for me to sit across from the person and actually say, I forgive you. 
but the wisdom was for me to sit with Jesus. Say, Jesus, would you give me the strength to forgive this person? And as you set them free, would you set me free too? So some of you need to say, I'm sorry. Some of you need to say, will you forgive me? And others of you, you just need to speak words of life. You just need to speak words of life. You know, James says that the tongue is so powerful. It can cause harm, but you know what else it can do? It can cause healing. It can bring hope. And and you may have words that somebody is literally dying to hear. A parent, a child, a friend, a neighbor, a coworker, an employee of yours, an employer of yours. And you need to offer them words of life and encouragement. So some of you, your homework is lead with your ears. Others of you, it's follow up with your tongue. And the third, there are others here. And you need to let anger straggle along in the rear. And you know, I love what it says in Scripture. It says that in your anger, do not sin. Anger has a place, friends. I think that we've often tried to sanitize anger out of a relationship with Jesus. Jesus experienced anger. Righteous anger. Healthy anger. But James says, you let it straggle along in the rear. Some of you, anger's at the front of the bus. You need to let it straggle along in the rear. And you need to not sin in your anger. But anger is allowed. It's allowed. Some of you need to exercise some healthy anger. There is some injustice, and you need to speak up for it. There is some inequality, and you need to raise your voice over it. There is some areas where people are without voice, and you need to give voice. And so there is a spot for us to use our anger. It's just not at the front of the bus. Peacemaking does not mean passivity. It doesn't mean passivity. Anger has a spot. But Jesus says to make sure, to make sure that he is the one that is bringing peace into the world. So I want to invite you to stand, and we're going to close out our time together. And I'm not sure what it is for you. Maybe your homework is to lead with your ears. Maybe it's to follow up with your tongue. And for others, it is to let anger straggle along in the rear. But Jesus, I do pray that you would give us wisdom, that you would help us to open our eyes to what you see, that you would show us who you are and how you are moving, that you would fill us in our mouths, in our ears, in our hearts, in our words, with your heart. And I pray that you would lead us to be people that push peace into this world instead of pulling peace from it. We pray this in your name. Amen.